Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Victory Baptist Church in Hope Mills, North Carolina. I pray that God uses this message to help you worship God, strengthen your relationship, and glorify Him. Without further ado, here is this week's message. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, If you would go ahead and open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. We are currently working our way through the book of Hebrews. Um, And I've said before that Hebrews is uh, one of my favorite books of the Bible because it highlights the connectivity and the cohesiveness um, between the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. It was written to Jewish Christians to show that faith in Jesus is greater than the religious system that was established in the Old Testament. So that's why the title of this series is Jesus is Greater. Um, When you're reading through Hebrews, you'll notice a ton of Old Testament scripture references, especially if you pay attention to the footnotes in your Bible. I've talked a lot about those footnotes over the past couple of weeks. Um, And in this series, to more fully understand what the author is telling uh, these Jewish Christians, we're going to dive into those Old Testament scriptures to help to illuminate uh, the New Testament passage for us, to help us to really understand the message that God has for us. So this morning, uh, we're going to be in chapter 2. We're going to go through verses 1 through 4. And so the title of this sermon is Jesus is Greater Than the Angels, Part 3. If you didn't catch Parts 1 and 2 before this, um, go ahead and watch those after this one's over. That'll help you really get the full context of this message. Um, But the main idea here is pay attention. That's the main idea that the author has for the audience is pay attention. So that's the main idea that I'm going to give to you guys is pay attention. Um... And so we have kind of three things here to pay attention to. There's the message, there's a warning, and then the proof. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we'll get into our text this morning. So let us pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for your word, and I thank you for the truth that is in your word. Lord, we know that your word is, uh, is, is truth, and we know that, that when we examine your word, that it shows us where we are not like you, and it shows us how we can grow to be more like you. So, God, this morning I pray that you will use this message to help us to grow to be more like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get started. And I'm going to uh, go ahead and read chapter 2, verse 1. It says, For this reason we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard, so that we will not drift away. And so he starts off with this reason. For this reason. So this actually, it relates it back to what we discussed in chapter 1, all right, all of chapter 1. He's saying all of chapter 1 is this reason. So let's talk about that reason from chapter 1. Sorry, i got to fix my microphone cord. All right. Um, So in Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, we saw that Jesus is God's son. And so he is equal to God, uh, and therefore he is God. And if Jesus is God, then he is a greater revelation of God than the Old Testament prophets. Then in Hebrews 1, 4 through 6, the author used Old Testament passages to show that Jesus is greater than the angels. Now last week, the author continued to, do, to use those Old Testament passages to contrast Jesus and the angels, uh, but he really showed the, the, kind of the hierarchy between Jesus and the angels. And it shows that the angels are powerful, yes, but there are powerful tools in Jesus' hands. Jesus is more powerful than the angels. He is greater than the angels. So what we see, uh, the, or the author is laying those initial points to support the argument that he is about to make. Since Jesus is God, then, uh, and since Jesus is God and is greater than the angels, we must pay attention to what we have heard. So what have we heard? Remember, the author is speaking to Jewish Christians. And since he's speaking to Jewish Christians, uh, the message that they've heard is the gospel, because they are Christians. That is the message of Jesus. 
And that, uh, so that message is that Jesus came to fulfill Old Testament law, that Jesus came to live a perfect life that we could not, that Jesus came to take the punishment for our sins on the cross, to redeem us from our slavery to sin, to be re- and then he came, uh, he was resurrected in victory over death, to reconcile us to God and to reveal God's will. So we must pay attention to that message because that message was the message of Jesus. We must pay attention to that message because Jesus is God and he is a greater revelation than the Old Testament prophets and a greater revelation than the angels. We must also pay attention to that message so that we will not drift away. If we are not focusing on the gospel, then we will be focused on something else. See, for first century Jewish Christians, there could be many cultural distractions. Just looking through some of Paul's letters, we know that Jewish Christians struggled with leaving the legalism behind, that legalism that had become so prominent under the Sanhedrin. Then taking this in context of the first chapter, it seems that this group might have been hyper-focused on the role of angels or the study of angels. Uh, Technically, we would call that angelology, the study of angels. Um, In our modern context, we see many Christians still struggle with those same temptations. One of the big complaints that people have against modern American Christianity is uh, the, the combination of rampant legalism, a lack of love, and widespread hypocrisy. Um, I just hope that we can see the parallelism between that type of religiosity, religiosity and the Phariseeism that Jesus preached so strongly against. Now, I think Americans also have this somewhat unhealthy focus on angels as well. Many people have um, a more uh, pagan-based angelology than a biblical one. And I think that the first chapter has done a pretty good job of addressing that issue, though. Um, but there are many other distractions that will cause us to drift away from the gospel or to steal our attention from the gospel. If you watch the news, this is, this is what they do. That's what they strive to do. These news organizations make their money by the screen time that they get or, or by, the TV, uh, by the clicks that they get on their website. And for this reason, they need people to keep coming back or to stay as long as possible. So to keep people coming back, each story must be more fantastic or dramatic or scary than the last. I'm not telling you to ignore the news. Don't ignore the news. But I am saying that it should not be our focus. Our focus needs to be on the gospel. We keep it front and center of our mind and our activity. I know that I say it a lot, but that's because it's, it's because of passages like these that our vision here at Victory is worshiping God by making disciples through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice the tool that we use to make disciples is the gospel. We make disciples because that is one way, that's a major way that we worship God. And as a congregation of believers, as a family of believers, we worship God by making disciples through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we lose focus on that gospel, then we're going to lose focus on our mission and of our vision. Moving on, we'll get into uh, verses 2 and 3. It says, For if the message spoken through angels was legally binding, and every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This salvation had its beginning when it was spoken of by the Lord, and it was confirmed uh, confirmed to us by those who heard him. So he's saying this message spoken through angels. Well, first, let's recognize that This is a different message than the message in verse 1. So what message is he referring to? Well, what message was spoken through the angels? We can get a little clue if we continue reading the sentence. If the message spoken through angels was legally binding and every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment. Uh, 
So the angels spoke some message to the Jews that they were legally bound to. And this same message came with a just disciplinary system. Now, I actually hinted as to what this message was a couple of weeks back, um, two sermons ago. Um, I referenced Deuteronomy 33. But today I want us to take a look at that verse. So this is Deuteronomy 33, verse 2. It says, The Lord came from Sinai and appeared to them from Seir. He shone on them from Mount Paran and came with 10,000 holy ones with lightning from his right hand for them. Also, we see passages like Psalm 68. Uh, here we go. Psalm 68, 17. It says, God's chariots are tens of thousands, thousands and thousands. The Lord is among them in the sanctuary as he was at Sinai. So these verses imply that the angels were witnesses at Mount Sinai when God gave the, the Old Testament law to Moses. And there are also several New, New Testament passages that point to this same belief. But there's one very clear one in Acts chapter 7, verse 53. So Acts 7, 53 says, You receive the law under the direction of angels and yet have not kept it. So when we take all these verses together, we see that the Bible teaches that the angels were present at the giving of the law at Mount Sinai and even had some role in delivering it to Moses. So this message that was spoken through the angels that the author seems to be talking about, that's the Mosaic law. So if that law was so great and nobody was exempt from it, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? So if that law that came through the angels, the, the Mosaic law, that Old Testament law, if that was so great, then if, that, if it was so uh, perfectly just and all-encompassing and that message was delivered through the angels, how much more so would a law be that was given through Jesus, who is greater than the angels? You are either saved by Jesus or you are condemned to hell. There is no in-between. You either accept Jesus' offer of salvation or you reject him. But if you look closely, you don't need to reject Jesus. It says, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Did you notice that verb? The verb isn't reject. The verb is neglect. Now, on this, I'm just going to quote the great preacher Spar Charles Spurgeon because I can't say it any better than he did. He said, uh, One need not go to the trouble of despising salvation or resisting it or opposing it. One can be lost readily enough simply by neglecting it. In fact, the great mass of those who perish are those who neglect the great salvation. We don't have to reject it. We just ignore it. And then by ignoring it, we are rejecting it. So we need to focus on the gospel. We need to keep it front and center of our mind so that we don't drift away from it, so that those around us will not neglect it. So we're going to keep reading, going into verse 4. He says, At the same time, God also testified by signs and wonders, various miracles and distributions of gifts from the Holy Spirit according to his will. So it says, At the same time, God testified. So while Jesus was preaching his message, there was other proof. Well, if you needed more proof than God himself bringing this message. But people are skeptical, so God provides other evidences for the trustworthiness of this message. Well, what were those evidences? Well, it says signs and wonders. There we go. Sorry, signs and wonders, various miracles. So Jesus performed many signs and wonders while he was walking this earth. He performed miracles. He forgave sins. He knew people's inner thoughts, and he knew people's sins. But then it says the distribution of gifts from the Holy Spirit. Now, this is referring to the church age. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came to dwell in the disciples. And from that point forward, God used the Holy Spirit. 
He worked through the Holy Spirit, working in Christians to bring about his will. From Acts chapter 2 forward, God is active through the works of his people. Christians are given the Holy Spirit, and through the Spirit we are empowered to do God's work. This is the whole purpose of the book of Acts. Now, in the first sermon in this series, I guess four weeks ago now, um, I said that I haven't spent much time preaching about the Holy Spirit. But we did spend 18 months in the book of Acts, so maybe, maybe we did, because the book of Acts is looking at the acts of the Holy Spirit through the disciples. And so maybe we did spend a good bit of time talking about the Holy Spirit. But there are all these other evidences to testify to the truthfulness of Jesus' message. Yet, people today still refuse to believe the gospel or doubt Jesus' ministry. People doubt the trustworthiness of Jesus' ministry or the trustworthiness of the Bible, but there are several times more evidence that the Bible is true to the original text. There's more evidence to that than any other ancient historical document. There's more evidence to the, the truthfulness of who Jesus is and what he did than there is of any other historical figure. For example, um, the earliest widely accepted New Testament fragment that we have is from the Gospel of John, and that dates to within 50 years of its original writing, and people still question that. Well, the earliest copy that exists of Homer's Iliad comes 500 years after he first wrote it, yet nobody questions that Homer wrote the Iliad, even though it's 500 years after he wrote it is our first um, manuscript evidence. But the first copy of the Gospel of John comes merely you know, 50 years after he wrote it. Well, another example would be to compare the historical evidence for Jesus versus that of Julius Caesar. So conservatively, there is at least, uh, at least as much evidence for Jesus that there is for Caesar. But even then, when you consider what those evidences are, the evidence for Jesus is earlier, it's more widespread, and it's less autobiographical than Caesar's. So one could say that there's actually better evidence that Jesus lived and did exactly what is taught in the Gospels than there is for Julius Caesar and anything that's claimed about him. If you believe that Julius Caesar is a historical figure, then after examining the, the evidence, you must also accept that Jesus is also a historical figure. There is no historical doubt that Jesus is, that Jesus, or that Jesus lived where, he's, where he did, and what he did in the Bible is historically attested to that. Now, you can argue how he was able to do that or why he was able to do that, but if you take an actual look at the historical evidence, you cannot deny that Jesus of Nazareth walked in first century Jerusalem and that he was crucified and that somehow they can't find his body. All right, so at this point, if someone were to examine the evidence and still not believe, they're simply refusing to believe. They are rejecting so let's get to our application here. I know it's been kind of a short sermon, but I, I promise you there's going to be some longer ones later in this series. So let's get to our application. Our application comes from Matthew 4.19, where Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fish for people. So from that, we get, uh, like I said, we get our definition of a disciple. So we have three indicators of a disciple. Um, and that is that a disciple is identified by and growing in, knowing, being, and doing. So our application point always comes from those three points, knowing, being, and doing. All right, so the first is to know that the gospel is greater than the Old Testament law. The Old Testament law was delivered by angels, but the gospel was delivered by Jesus. And since Jesus is greater than the angels, so is his message. The Old Testament law shows us our sin and provides a just disciplinary system for it. But the gospel atones for our sin and provides grace. The Old Testament law shows us why we deserve hell, but the gospel shows us how to be reconciled to God. So know that the gospel is greater than the Old Testament law. 
The second application point is to be saved by Jesus. See, knowledge of the gospel is not just enough. Just to know, it's not enough. Knowledge of Jesus is not enough. We can know what the Bible says, and we can know what Jesus did, but knowledge alone does not save. It is faith that saves. Faith in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Faith in his salvation for the punishment for your sins. Place your faith in Jesus and be saved by his grace. And our final application point, the do application point, pay attention. Like the author says, pay attention. Do not ignore this message. The author warned of the dangers of, of neglecting such a message. If we are not to neglect it, then we must pay attention to it. This means that you do not have to actively reject the gospel to miss salvation, but merely fail to accept it. This means that you don't have to hate the teachings of Jesus to miss salvation. You just ignore them. So pay attention to Jesus' commands. Obey Jesus' commands. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, again, Lord, I thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you for your life and your death and your resurrection, that you have provided our salvation for us. We thank you that you have completed that work, and all we have to do is to place our faith in you for our salvation. I pray that you will help us to pay attention to that message, to, to keep it front and center of our focus, not just to know it, but to place our faith in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you all for tuning in this morning. I pray that God had uh, a message for you in this sermon this morning. If he did, go ahead and hit that like button. Uh, if you have not subscribed to our channel, go ahead and click that subscribe button. If you have any questions or comments about this video, go ahead and drop them in the comment section below. And if you don't want to miss any of our future uh, live streams or videos, go ahead and click the, um, the notification bell. Until next time, remember, worship God by making disciples through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more information about our church, please visit VictoryBaptistHopeMills.com or Facebook.com slash VBC Hope Mills. I would also like to ask that you rate and review this podcast. And if you found this sermon helpful, please share it.